Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we've got a little bit of fun for you. Of course, in the beginning, we're going to recap the first place. Currently, Wisconsin Badgers uh, win over Northwestern on senior night. Not the prettiest of wins, but a win just the same, and that makes their seventh in a row. And now, uh, a three to possibly four-way tie atop the Big Ten going into the weekend. So exciting stuff for that. We'll go through that. And then the back half, we finished up our you know uh, overviews from last season into this season for the football program. Now we're going to get into uh, exclusively spring football. And today we're going to do a little fantasy draft of sorts of players that we're excited to see uh, this spring. Because spring practice is just around the corner. Uh, we've got uh, dates announced. If you're looking for those, I believe they're on uh, Wisconsin Athletics websites where you can uh, see the dates for that and the media days and uh, both the family fun day and things like that. So football season right on the corners. So we're going to focus a lot on that in the back half. So it should be some fun stuff to enter you into your weekend. Matt, how are you doing tonight? Doing fantastic. It was a really fun game yesterday, even though it wasn't pretty, like you mentioned. But uh, a huge win, and it was really cool to see uh, the senior festivities and the just soak it all in because it was such a cool moment for this team and everything that they've been through to to get a win and, and put themselves in a position to potentially win the Big Ten is is, is crazy when you look back at kind of how things started in the offseason and how things unfolded uh, for the better half of most of the season. It is pretty remarkable that this team is essentially in striking distance to, to win the conference, at least in the tie with someone. You could win it outright depending on how things shake, and uh, there's a lot of falling pieces going into this last weekend. You know, a lot of times, sometimes with the strong teams in Michigan State in the past, you know, they sometimes wrap the conference up uh, pretty early. But this year it's literally going to come down to that last Saturday and Sunday with, with four different teams, and it's it's pretty remarkable that the Badgers are – going to be a part of that and hopefully they can come away with a win at Indiana to to really give themselves the best shot but it should be a fun game and just a remarkable turnaround for Greg Gard getting a lot of you know Big Ten coach of the year pub uh, which I, I think is warranted with what he's went through but just a remarkable story and they, they just kind of kept it going against Northwestern it was a game that was sloppy but it was a win to win and uh, you needed it to hold pace in this tough conference. Yeah, and I mean, Northwestern was was severely outmatched throughout most of the game. You could tell that there was a pretty substantial te- uh, talent differential uh, on the court. Um, you know, I, I thought Boo Booey had the best name in the Big Ten, but he he was minus 28 on the game, so he, not his best effort um, as a starter. But I thought the Badgers through it all, just kind of navigated it nicely. You see a lot of times there's kind of a letdown on senior night, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, that is just the emotions of it, uh, the pomp and circumstance of everything can sometimes uh, allow you to come out flat. Wisconsin actually came out quick out the gates and and kind of looked like they were just going to drum them, but then you saw that it's just they allowed – uh, Northwestern to come back. Wisconsin had that small lineup when, when they were dealing with some, some of their bigs in foul trouble, and it allowed 
Northwestern to to make make a nice run in the first half to to get it within striking distance, but a quick run by the Badgers in the early second half uh, helped things out because it was it was just they were all over the place. It was a roller coaster ride for for most of it on the offensive end for Wisconsin and uh, kudos to Northwestern for what they did on the defensive end throughout. Um, you know, holding the Badgers to 63 points when they've been averaging over 70 a game is is a, a nice feat for them, and they played a lot better than they have. And Northwestern's been tough for a lot of teams this year just to keep it interesting, but in the end the talent usually wins out, and uh, that was no different in this one. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the first half it came, you know, they came out and looked like they were going to put the game away early, you know, and then in the second half things just kind of – you know, another seven, eight-minute stretch where things can get kind of ugly with Wisconsin. We've we've seen that in the past with with Badger teams for for years now, where they have you know five, six, seven, eight-minute stretches where buckets just don't fall, and even even lowly Northwestern, when you have a tough stretch like that, can can bring themselves back uh, in games of that nature. And it's it's tough, but it's also the Badgers battled through that. Granted, yes, we would have all liked to see them, you know, really put a team away and, and blow them out. But at the same time, you mentioned it already, senior night can be weird. Uh, it can come out a little flat. You're taking on a team that's bottom in the conference. You know, no no player is ever going to say that they aren't fully up for a game. But at the same time, Northwestern always seems to be the opponent that both in football and basketball where you can kind of sleep through uh, parts of the game. But at the end of the day, it was a solid win. Nothing, nothing overly concerning. Nothing overly problematic. Just uh, grinded out, ugly Big Ten game at times. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you're like totally agree in terms of kind of it just kind of lulled you the, the game lulled you to sleep, um, and and that yeah it was just a grinder. They they didn't do anything remarkably uh, well either. Like there wasn't something that you could turn to and be like yeah that's that's a, a positive to glean from this other than hey they got the W. They're in a position to. Um, to, to share the Big Ten title or potentially win it if things really go their way. But uh, it, it's, it's one of those where you saw some guys get some time. Uh, Michael Ballard, you know, his last came in with exactly one minute left and had his nice traveling uh, layup. But it was it was very cool to see, to see that. That was pretty much what uh, revved the fans most of the game, uh, unfortunately, because it was just kind of ugly. You know, the Badgers had just, some crazy runs where they they went just excessive amounts of time without a bucket. I think they had a six six plus minute drought um, that just really hurt them. And I mean, you you see them come out shooting six of ten to start the game, uh, making their first four three pointers, and then they just went ice cold. And then they'd get hot for um, a brief little run, and then once again it was just going right back to. Um, a polar vortex. So it's it's one of those things where hopefully the team can rebound and, and get the shots to fall when they go to Bloomington because it's not going to be an easy easy matchup. Uh, you know, Indiana's going to really want blood after the way the Badgers beat them in Madison. So in the end, everything's in front of the Badgers, and it's up for grabs. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Let's talk about the Kohl Center a little bit. With the win uh, for the Badgers, that puts them at, uh, yeah, 15-1 and one, uh, at the Kohl Center for the season. So, Finishes off a strong home contest and home season. Obviously, we dealt with a lot of uh, adversity with this crowd sometimes during the season. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the Cole Center proved to be a strong home for the Badgers. What did you make of just the final contest? Uh, 
in the Kohl Center for the 2019-20 season. Yeah, I mean the 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 bottom the bottom bowl as well as the the middle deck was completely filled by the the student section, and then you know it was kind of a smattering up on the third deck, which is which is understandable uh, on a weeknight as well as an eight o'clock tip, which is never fun. But I think the big thing is if if fans want. Um, students in the game, they got to win. Like if if the Badgers are winning in basketball, the gym isn't as big as say uh, Camp Randall Stadium, where it's harder to fill that entire area on a on an off night. But if the Badgers are winning, if they're playing really good, we we see that the Kohl Center is lit, that there's people in there because they want to see them play. The Kohl Center wasn't uh, exactly brimming when they were struggling. You see now it's it's back to being what it was, and I think that's the recipe. Is you know they've been doing a lot of different things. You saw some some gimmicks that they've been doing with with handing things out like the the Hawaiian shirts. They actually looked pretty cool. Um, but then you know they did some stuff with the the t-shirt cannon has been going on more and more, and doing some giveaways like the soft pretzels for for pretzel night. But it's it's one of those things where if they have the fans. It really does help the team. They feed off of that. The Northwestern game was so boring that it was kind of hard at times for the fans to really energize it and really get into it. But uh, in in the end, I think next year this team should be pretty good and have a lot of returning talent. And I think the Cole Center should be should be rocking next year with with some big games co- coming as well. Yeah, it's exciting to think about what this team could be even next year because this year. Uh, some some hope looked a little lost in the early parts of the season, but now they're sitting there at 20 and 10, you know, a four, possible four-way tie atop the Big Ten. It's been a pretty crazy turnaround uh, for the Badgers, and, and that home court is definitely a, a special part in all Big Ten venues this season, especially with, with all the road struggles that every team had. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, plenty of wins in your home building, and it should like you said, rock a little bit more when you've got a team next year that I think people will come in and be excited about, uh, just given that this run to, to kind of close out the season. I know a lot of people have, are excited about you know this year's team with, with possibly winning the Big Ten, and, and all of a sudden are buying into a, a March run where you know a few months ago we were, I think, as Badger fans, going to be just happy to be a part of March. So now you're going into it. You know, hoping to be a second weekend, you know, elite eight type team. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how this this whole thing finishes out. But they've definitely gotten uh, the fans and and everyone back into it, and, and that all starts with, like you said, winning winning basketball games consistently. Yeah, and they've been doing it. They've been really going out and playing really good team basketball. I think the ball movement wasn't great against. Uh, Northwestern, which is something that they had uh, alluded to in the post game that they really needed to improve, um, which was something that they had done so well in this uh, seven game winning streak, and it kind of fell off a little bit. It got a little stagnant at times against Northwestern, but they'll improve that. They'll uh, really focus in on that. Usually, they do a good job of of fixing and fine tuning the issues that they had the previous game, which is uh, you know. To coaching, Greg Gard getting his hundred hundredth career win, and and it was it was just a cool game. It was a good win. It's one of those games where you, like you said, you can fall asleep a little bit to in, against Northwestern to get a win, and that's probably the type of game that you want um, right before you have to take on a really tough team like Indiana. After the Badgers have really had to go through a gauntlet most of this Big Ten with the number of quad one um, opponents that they've had this year. 
Yeah, they have. It's been a battle, and thankfully you've got uh, yourself in a good position to, you know, this this back half of the schedule. We we talked about it a bunch over these last few weeks of how the Badgers had the most favorable, you know, schedule of the remaining teams that were kind of in contention. And, uh, you know, just weeks ago you and I were discussing how the Badgers could get a top four seed, and then the next week it was, well, they, they, they probably should have a top four, but maybe they can work into this spot. And all of a sudden they're talking about, you know, possibly winning the Big Ten or, or sharing a, a title with a with another team in the conference is is pretty crazy. So, uh, it's it's a credit to them and this team. They've they've done a good job. And what do you make of this final weekend? I obviously the the Indiana game is going to be a tough contest uh, at Bloomington. is never a place to play, but uh, they, they've got certainly a great shot to win this Big Ten title. But it's it's going to come with a win on the road against a tough team. And since we're not going to have a podcast. Uh, before that, let's uh, let's dive into that a little bit. What do you make of the the Hoosiers this year? I think they're they're a good team. Um, they've got they've got some young talent. Uh, I think Wisconsin is going to be a, a team that is is better in a lot of fa- phases of the game. Indiana has been up and down um, way more than the Badgers. Wisconsin for all their um, tumultuousness that they've had this season. Indiana's really, uh, they started off so well, um, and then the Badgers just kind of leveled them and by 20 points, 84-64, the first time that these two teams met. And, and that kind of, you know, they won, got back to winning, but then that kind of started their cascading fall that they had. And it, this this is going to be a really fun game. It'll be rocking in Bloomington at uh, at Assembly Hall. That's always a tough place to play. But 11, 11 a.m. tip, that's kind of nice. I, I, the late night tip against Minnesota was a, a little uh, little tougher um, for most fans. But that, that, having that 11 a.m. game, it's going to be on ESPN. Everybody's going to be watching. Um, and it's going to be a good day of basketball in the Big Ten. It, it's going to be fun. And I think if the Badgers can take care of business, I like their chances to, to potentially at least – I mean, they would at least tie for first no matter what. But then I like their chances to even have a shot to – to get the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament when you look at who everybody else is playing. Um, did you happen to look at who everybody else is going up against? Because it sets up really nicely for Wisconsin to have a shot. Yeah, it sets up great. I mean, you you talked about the Saturday morning tip, which I think is nice because they'll they'll essentially have their result and, and kind of know what's going to happen uh, first because they play, you know, Michigan State and Maryland play on Sunday, uh, you know, 11 a.m., and then I believe Michigan State's at 3 in the afternoon. Um, and then Illinois, who's who's still in a battle as we speak with Ohio State, uh, is still kind of in the mix. But if they drop that one, they also play Sunday evening against uh, Iowa. So a, a tough gauntlet for all three teams. But I think the Badgers certainly sit in the most favorable spot with, with playing Saturday, knowing that if you win, you, you've got a share of it. And then the other three teams kind of have that pressure of, okay, we've got to win this because – Wisconsin won, and we're in a four-way tie. We need a game, so I think it. I think it sets up well, uh, and I'm really excited to see. And you know, Michigan State's got a tough one in Ohio State, and Maryland has no joke uh, against Michigan. Granted, they are at home, but the Badgers certainly have the opportunity in front of them, and they they've whooped up on this Indiana team before uh, by 20 points back in on, in December. I, I try to kind of forgot about that because that was the day of the Big Ten championship, and I try to forget that. Uh, that day for my memory after getting whipped up by Ohio State, but uh, it was it was a solid game for the Badgers last time. So if you can repeat that, you're in really good shape going into this thing. Yeah, and I mean Saturday, if you look outside of the Big Ten, there's a lot of really good basketball uh, that day. Sunday is really loaded with with uh, Big Ten teams. 
games like you alluded to. Um, we'll have you've got games like Seton Hall and Creighton, who are basically fighting for uh, the top spot in the in the Big East, and, and Louisville and Virginia. So that, there's a lot of really good basketball this weekend that kind of gets you the blood flowing for what's going to be really going on in March Madness. But you you think you look at kind of who's going going uh, at it this weekend and. Currently, Ohio State has has the lead on Illinois, um, which would be absolutely huge. Um, OSU's at home, you know, little behind the curtain. I think it's there's like eight minutes left in the second half right now. But then Illinois, like you said, has to still play Iowa, and Michigan State having to still play Ohio State. Um, you know, every Badger fan should be rooting for the Buckeyes all weekend long because that would really, really go a long way in helping the Badgers. And then Maryland and Michigan is going to be tough. I, I have a hard time believing Michigan's going to go in and, and knock off Maryland, but you, you never know. This Big Ten has been crazy this year, and we've seen Maryland lose at home just most recently against Michigan State. So it, it's, it's possible. They they also lost uh, against – or. Uh, or they also uh, just recently lost to Ohio State um, on the road. So they, they've got some losses piling up here recently, losing three out of four. So you never know when, in the Big Ten this year, and hopefully the Badgers can, can really get things going and, and make sure they take care of their own business, and then they can put their feet up and watch on Sunday and hope the dominoes fall their way. Yeah, and that's why I think it's great to be playing first out of the four because yeah, you're essentially going to get that monkey off your back early and not have to worry about it, and then the other guys have to, to follow suit that way. So hopefully the Badgers can come out and, and pick up a win. But, yeah, you're right. Maryland has been struggling a little bit. They they got lucky to win at Minnesota. They shouldn't. They had no business winning that game either, uh, and that could have really changed some things. So anything is possible in this conference. It's been a wild season all year, and I, I just can't wait to, to see who wins it, but also next week. That Big Ten tournament is going to be phenomenal. Conference basketball tournaments are awesome. You're going to have the Big Ten playing uh, you know, a bunch of great games. The Big East is going to be fun to watch. So these next few weeks, folks, uh, March Madness is going to be in, in full bloom, and I just I can't wait for it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's one of the best times of the year, and then you get to the actual NCAA tournament, and, and basically it's like calling for work type days where it's like this is what I want to be doing all day long. So um, it, it's exciting. It's a great time of the year. Um, probably the best uh, outside of I'm a, I'm a diehard college football guy, but this is probably the second closest to uh, a really, really good Saturday uh, in the fall. Most definitely. I cannot wait. Uh, before we switch to football, I did want to ask you quick. It was Brevin Pritzel's senior day. Uh, I just wanted to talk about maybe his career um, as a Badger. A lot of ups and a lot of downs, but he's given uh, some serious time and effort and, and battled through some things uh, You know, with, with being a rotation guy, barely playing. I remember his early days with his his long hair and the headband that he had to now being a, a solid contributor. You don't see a lot of seniors in college basketball anymore, but what have you made of his career uh, as he fi- entered into his final uh, game at the Kohl Center? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy who's who just kind of shows you what it's about at Wisconsin. You know, he his first two seasons, he he didn't do a whole lot. Um, on campus, redshirted that freshman year, um, but then, but then you saw as, as his career kind of went on, he started getting starts to his third year on campus. had had a good season at at nine points a game. Kind of fell off a little bit uh, last year um, as a as a bench guy coming off the bench for them. But then you see a reemergence this year and really an up of his game. 
he, he's done a phenomenal job on the boards as well. You know, he came in more of a sharpshooter, but then he really was able to establish himself as a, a blue guy and could, could really help the team on the defensive end as well as uh, on the boards. And, you know, he's always such a, just such a good three-point shooter, was, was known for his three-point shot, and he's been a consistent threat for the Badgers. And, you know, I, I will miss that uh, – the man bun that he was rocking there for a while that now you look at him and he looks so ridiculous with it, but um, he, he, you know, best of luck to him. I know he's engaged and uh, he, he's just having a great life set up for him and hopefully he has a really good tournament to, to ride out in the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said glue guy. Cause I think that's a great way to describe Brevin Pritzel. So shout out to him and uh, shout out to Michael Ballard as well for covering that spread late uh, for the Badgers last night. I don't know if everyone picked up on that, but it was a, a little push before that nice little layup. So shout out to both of those guys. Uh, uh, we, we certainly appreciate it all that you have done, but anything else basketball wise, otherwise we'll, we'll turn it over to our little football uh, topic. Let's talk some football. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our football spring fantasy draft or whatever you want to call it. Just some fun stuff to give you guys some football minutes. So we'll get into that after this quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys, it's time to talk some football. In the first uh, part of this, we are going to quickly touch on the Badgers wide receiver uh, coaching hire because they did uh, make a hire that we talked about last episode with Elvis Whithead, uh, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, uh, did sign on as the Badgers wide receiver coach. Um, so we have talked about it a little bit, but what have you made of uh, that hire? What do you think about it uh, as the Badgers uh, approach spring ball and try to replace Ted Gilmore? I think it's a great hire. You know, he's he's a younger guy at 45 uh, years old, so he, he's he's got plenty of tread left on his tires, so to speak, um, in the coaching ranks. He, he you look at how many wide receiver he's wide receivers he's put into the NFL at a, at a lower school like Colorado State, and it's it hails in comparison to what Wisconsin has really put into the league at wide receiver over that same span. Um, you know, I mean, you see guys like Jared Abradaris go to the league. You see see guys like Alex Erickson get a shot, but, but I mean, that's three guys who have put up um, over 1,000 yards, two of which um, Richard Higgins and Michael Gallup put up over 1,500 yards and were Bolitnikoff uh, award finalist guys. So he's, he's got an acumen for, for recognizing under-the-radar talent and coaching them up. So hopefully Wisconsin can, can hit the trail hard, use kind of his inroads in California and and uh, uh, North Carolina and Colorado to help them pave some success and bring in some higher caliber wide receivers to to really get guys because Michael Gallup's a really talented wide receiver in the league and he he's had an opportunity to go into or he's going to have the opportunity to go into a lot of uh, families' homes and be like yeah I, I coached Devonte Adams I coached Michael Gallup I've I've coached some of the guys that have hit the pinnacle of what you want to be as a wide receiver and and um, is looking to do more and I think he's just a really quality add to the staff and and hopefully he can he can coach as well as his resume looks at this point. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't realize he was as young as he is, um, and I think that plays well for the Badgers. You know, as you you mentioned, getting into recruiting, Todd Gilmore was a great recruiter, and you kind of have to try and fill you know that wide receiver position with also an excellent recruiter, which is tough. And I think uh, he'll he'll do a good job of that. Anytime you have NFL experience that you can go in and you know pitch seventeen or eight year old eight seventeen eighteen year old kids you know that you've worked with with guys like Devontae Adams things like that and and been at the highest level that makes your recruiting you know pitch a lot easier. And I think uh, he'll be able to fill into those shoes nicely. So I'm excited to see it and and thankfully. Uh, the Badgers have that filled because spring football is right around the corner, and, and that's going to be an important position as we get into spring football. So Yeah, I mean, it's imagine the whirlwind that he's going to be going through just to kind of be thrown into the fire immediately and uh, and try to try to get everything going. But it also, you look at it in a lot of guys, um, when, you're, when you're with a position coach, sometimes you get buried very early, and it's hard to kind of dig out of that and a coach kind of has some set ways and, and understandings of what he's looking for. So you you never know. This could be an an open audition now for some of these younger guys to, to really make a, a splash and, and excite um, fans because they're going to have an opportunity to say, hey, fresh start for me here. Um, you know, you think of the two guys out of Michigan, A.J. Abbott and Taj Mustafa, as guys that really – haven't really been able to put it all together yet. They're they're super young, but they're they're guys that Ted Gilmore really was hoping would would jump out and haven't yet done it to to been um, as older and with a new coach. You never know how it goes and and how that vibe might shake things in the wide receiver room. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. You know, guys can get buried, and you have a preconceived notions of, of what a player is early in his career. Uh, Witted's not going to have that. He's going to go in with uh, you know fresh eyes and, and really look to what uh, make the most out of this group. So it's going to be exciting to watch as we get into spring football. That brings us to our next topic, which is going to be a little uh, a fun little, basically a fantasy draft back and forth of, of players we're excited to see uh, in this spring football practice. Uh, spring practices were announced this week. Uh, plenty of fun stuff going on for both the fans and uh, ourselves in the media. There's some open practices that we have access to, so uh, we're excited to get up there and look at and see some of those guys. But really, it was just about you know a player that we're excited to see. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's going to be playing every snap. It might be someone that we're just interested in seeing their development, uh, but just a mix of players of, of who we're uh, excited to see. So we're going to go back and forth and, and rattle off some names of, of who we're we're looking forward to seeing over these next few weeks in spring practice. And I will kick the honors to you, Matt. I will give you the first pick in our excited to see college spring football draft. So you can go ahead and have the first crack. Woo, it's an honor. I've been waiting for this moment for uh, a while now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just a peek behind the the car. I've got I got a list of a couple guys, and I know that you do as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where we line up and kind of where things might crisscross. But the guy I'm actually really excited to see, and I think who has a lot of potential to to break out and see a, a lot of different potential roles is Isaac Arendo. Um, he, he's a guy who has been hampered by injuries, some position changes, um, but he's he's phenomenally talented, very fast. Um, came out of Avon in uh, Indiana, so 
a, a nice high school, a really good high school that usually pumps out some good talent. Um, but he, he's, you know, a six foot, 213 pounds, uh, you know, redshirt freshman this past season um, who, who got involved later as the season wore on. Um, you saw kind of his role expand. They got him into the Rose Bowl a little bit. You saw his kickoff return against Minnesota, and you got to see the speed that he has um, really break out. And Jonathan Taylor has brought up his name up not only when we talked about um, – you know, guys who are the fastest on the team, but also guys who could make a con- contribution in the running back room next year when he was down in Indianapolis. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does, if he can push Nakia Watson or if maybe the two of them get some carries um, to go with Garrett Groshek because I think he's a guy who could do some damage in the return game with Aaron Kripchenkong, but he's definitely a guy who could also be a slot receiver um, or a scat back or um, he could just be your number one running back if, if things really uh, explode for him because he has a lot of talent. And so I'm going to go with him as my first guy. I love that pick. I actually thought about him, but I left him off my list because I knew that you were going to have him on there because I knew you were a big fan of Isaac Garendo, so I figured that Matt would snag him uh, pretty early on in the draft. So I left <laughs> left him off my uh, – We know each know. other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, my first pick is probably an obvious one, um, but I'm excited to see the highly touted, and it, it, he wouldn't have lasted much longer anyway, of, of Graham Mertz. Uh, obviously, we don't know if he's going to play. Everyone has an opinion on if he should play or if Jack Cohen should play. And I am excited to see Jack, too, and see where he's progressed. But uh, really just looking forward to see Graham Mertz, to see where he's developed. He, he needed that freshman redshirt season, you know, that redshirt season uh, this past year to, to get his feet under him. Uh, but now I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of where he progressed, where he makes that jump, and if he can make it a quarterback battle. Uh, I'm not sure if it – if it's there yet or not, but I'm really just excited to see where we've gone from, from early days on campus, trying to learn the playbook, trying to know where you got to go to class, all those things as freshmen that you have to worry about. Now he can maybe just worry about playing a little bit more football. So I'm excited to see uh, where his development is as we head into spring ball, because I think that's going to be a storyline for, for us all to watch as we and as we head towards closer towards the season. Wait, Graham Mertz is on this list? Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> I know, yeah. right? Yeah, so I think I think I think that's probably the top pick. You know, I just tried to be a little different um, <laughs> because I like you knowing that I probably would go with Garendo. I was like, I think he's going to pick Mertz or want to. Um, so I, uh, I I tossed that one to you. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Logan Brown with my second pick. You know, you, you, we brought up Mertz. You know, he was the second highest recruit brought in in that 2019 recruiting class. The top dog, the alpha dog, was was Logan Brown, a five-star recruit out of Michigan, really, really talented player. He, he kind of checks all the boxes when you're looking at uh, a prototypical offensive lineman, you know, at like 6'6", six, six, three bills. It's just, I mean, he's a top 20 player in the nation, according to both 247 and rivals, you know, the, the major recruiting sites. So, didn't play uh, any last year, just trying to get his body right. But that's not what Wisconsin generally does with the, with these guys. Those offensive linemen usually take a year or, or, you know, two or three before they really can bloom. But he's a guy who has just an, an untapped potential and crazy athleticism packed into his size. And you look at just how much 
um, turnover they're going to have on the offensive line. You've got David Mormon gone. You've got Tyler Biotish gone. You've got Jason Erdman. Those are guys who, who started a, a whole host of games. You know, Erdman started 12 games in his career. Biotish started a whole bunch, had started every one of them. And then you got David Mormon who started seven games last year. So that's a lot of starts that are going to be off the bus, and he's the guy who, if if you're trying to get your top five on the board, um, you know, you've got Cole Van Lannen and Logan Bruss kind of penciled in at your left and right tackles, but Bruss has shown he can slide down to guard. Maybe maybe uh, he's just too good to, to keep uh, on the sidelines, and, and he pushes his way into a, a role in that line. He'll have to fight it out with Tyler Beach and, you know, maybe some of those inside guys like Caden Lyles and Josh Seltzer, but He's got the talent, and, and I, you don't want to bet against talent uh, any day of the week. There's a reason that the recruiting services are usually uh, fairly accurate um, or closer to accurate than more right than wrong, I should say. So I'm going to go with Logan Brown as a guy to, to watch because I, hopefully he's healthy and is ready, and, and maybe um, he's one of those guys that Wisconsin has that makes that jump in their second year on campus. Yeah, exactly. I think we're both, you know, with the Mertz and, of course, Logan Brown, those were the two stars of that class a year ago that everyone was excited about and how could you not be. Uh, And with him battling through injuries, it's going to be exciting to see where he is. But a five-star recruit, one of the highest recruits in the nation, that everyone should be excited about him uh, as you finally maybe get to see some first glances because there's a lot of times where he was, uh, you know, not worked, you know, not practicing and and battling through injuries. So seeing where he's at in his development is going to be an exciting one. Uh, For my second player, I've also got a guy that's kind of been hampered by injuries in the past, and he's part of the defensive line group in Bryson Williams. He's been a guy that uh, last year, you know, 2018, played a lot, probably was thrown in there a little early. Uh, The defensive line kind of struggled in that 2018 season because he wasn't, uh, you know, in the nose tackle position, you need a guy who's ready to be out there. He, He wasn't. And it kind of showed. And then last past season, it was just battling through injuries and, and kind of got overpassed by Keanu Benton, uh, who had a phenomenal true freshman season. But if if you can have Williams can come back and be the player that he appeared to be out of high school, uh, you know, a three, four-star recruit, uh, if he can be healthy and work in there with Keanu Benton and with, you know, Matt Henningsen and those guys and Isaac Laudermilk and, uh, you know those guys around him. I think this defensive line group can be nasty if you've got rotation guys like that. So I'm excited to see uh, where Williams is because I think a lot of people have have looked to Keanu Benton, but there's still some talent there uh, for him to to try and get back worked into this thing. Yeah, and I mean he's got some versatility. I like that pick because. He's a guy who could probably play D end if in in a year or so um, when you need bodies when you know Loudermilk and Rand are both graduating. So I, I like that pick and and hopefully he's healthy and ready to rock because sometimes I know they hold out guys that they're familiar with and that they trust their um, you know in their what they have already. But I think he's a he's a really good pick and definitely going to be making an impact next year. Most certainly. Who do you got for your number three? Whew, um, it's tough. I'm going to go with uh, an absolute missile, Leo Chanel. Um, you know, Wisconsin's at this point uh, in need of a, a new starting inside linebacker. Most people are, are penciling in um, the younger Chanel brother. Um, his brother plays fullback. He's, he's an uh, inside linebacker, and it's fun to watch those two pop pads against each other. But 
Chenal is, is an absolute missile when he's coming downhill. He's fast. He hits hard. Um, he's huge at like two fit, over 250 pounds. Um, and, he, and he's fast when he's running. So I think he's going to pair really nicely with Jack Sanborn. Um, Sanborn can, can hold his own in coverage a little more. Chanel is a really talented blitzer. We've seen him just absolutely blow crap up in the backfield at practices. So just for the, the sheer uh, helmet and pad popping and, and the amount of screaming and yelling and, and uh, veracity that he brings to the defense, I'm going to go with Leo Chanel. Yeah, that's a great pick. Chanel is, uh, I, I think, will be a fan favorite if he's not already because that kid plays with his hair on fire and is, is a true uh, you know, beast in there. So a fan favorite is definitely, and I think if you don't know him already, you're certainly going to know his name this year because he plays a lot older than what he looks. He'll be a, you know, a true sophomore this season, uh, just, a, just a monster. He did a really great job being worked in there as a freshman this past season. So I would definitely be excited about uh, Chanel's potential this year at the inside linebacker position. Uh, for my third pick, I'm, I'm kind of sticking with the trend of guys that maybe got – Maybe got passed up and are are looking to make an impact and work back in there. And I'm going to go with Rashad Wild Goose. Uh, obviously, Fayon Hicks this past season really showed that he's a, a really solid cornerback at one side. And then late in the season, Caesar Williams really developed and showed that he was uh, a, a really – I mean, had a great game against Minnesota, played a lot late in the season, showed that he's going to probably have the other starting spot coming in. Uh, but – Rashad Wild Goose is still a player there that uh, in his in his seasons has, has shown potential, and you know Jim Leonard loves to play three four guys, so you're going to have uh, Wild Goose and Harrell and Hicks and Williams all battling for for two to three spots depending on who you're working in with like a, a nickelback or, or anything like that. So I'm I'm interested to see really that cornerback race in general, but I think the guy to really watch for outside of Hicks and Williams is, is Wild Goose to see if he can maybe overtake one of those two or if or if maybe he, he drops down because he's not getting the playing time uh, that he wants. You know, that cornerback room has, is, has depth and has a lot of talent, so there's going to be guys that get frustrated if they don't see the field. So I'm interested to see uh, how he responds and how he comes out in spring ball. Yeah, I, I like that. He, he's a guy that I think, um, you know, he, he played – the vast majority of the nickel last year when he was healthy. And I think he brings a lot of, of swagger to the defense and he's good in, in run coverage as well at times. So I think I like that. He's a really talented player. Yeah. And he's got, uh, I mean, you can't beat, uh, you know, Gus Johnson calling out his name or shot wild goose. So that's that <laughs> field in that in general, but who do you got for your number four? Um, I'll, I'll go with another guy that I've, I've been talking about a decent amount. I'll go with, uh, Tim Ray DK, he, he's a guy that uh, a youngster you know, coming in as a as a uh, early enrollee. There's a lot of times Wisconsin uh, hasn't had necessarily as talented of wide receivers coming in as as he is, and to have him as an early enrollee, you gotta like your chances as, as him being a guy, four sport athlete as as could maybe make an impact given that three of your top wide receivers are gone after last year. So I think DK is a guy to, to watch. You know, he might not be an instant contributor day one, but he's a guy that definitely could be, and he's a guy that I think will eventually be a, a number one or number two wide receiver down the road. And just to have him on campus, it's exciting to see what he could bring to the table. Yeah, I like that pick, and I, I think we're, we're kind of in similar thoughts because my fourth player – uh, was also a wide receiver. I think DK, you know, I was writing my wide receiver preview the other day, and I think he's going to be a guy that 
that certainly gets worked into that rotation. But my fourth player, it got kind of going off that, was Taj Mustafa. I, I think in general we're both just kind of interested to see who steps up in those other receiver positions behind the Danny Davises and Kendrick Pryors. Because uh, there's there's a whole host of guys there uh, with Crumholes and Jack Dunn, Mustafa and Abbott, and then of course Shimer DK. Uh, so I'm just excited to see. I I was watching some old uh, high school tape uh, from Taj Mustafa, just kind of see the athleticism, a guy that can can go underneath, but also you know get the ball thrown to him over the top if they need to. Uh, only six foot, so not the tallest you know receiver out there, but athletic enough to make plays. So it's kind of in the similar regard. Taj Mustafa was my number four. Nice. And then uh, I'll go with I'll go with Spencer Lytle as my uh, as my uh, next pick. He's he's a guy who um, really got a rave reviews uh, last spring when he enrolled early from. Mm-hmm. From uh, from the outside linebackers coach Bobby April, and to see um, him miss most of the year, pretty much battling injury, um, uh, he's still got to add some weight. But he's a guy who's really talented in coverage. Uh, he's got good bend. He's quick. Um, so hopefully, a, a year in the weight room, you you tend to see a lot of guys kind of make that big jump after that redshirt season. You look at Scott Nelson, you look at Reggie Pearson, you look at um, Jake Ferguson, All a lot of guys that after that one year just kind of, you know, in the oven, they come out and, and they're animals. So he, he's a guy that with that position open, you know, I think Jalen Franklin and Isaiah Green May are other guys that are on my list as players to watch. I think that that trio um, are really going to be fun to watch because they all bring a little something different to the table. Jalen Franklin's more of a downhill guy, really can get around the corner quick because he's, he's just fast and athletic. Isaiah Green May's just got that crazy um, wingspan, but I think Lytle brings, uh, as a coverage guy, he could be used in different packages, um, not necessarily to get after the passer, but he can. Um, but to also be be in coverage and help out in that fashion. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the table uh, in his second year on campus. Yeah, that's a great pick because, like you mentioned, you know, him coming out of high school, he was he was one of the t- – obviously the, the excitement was around Mertz and, and Brown, but uh, Lytle after that was also a guy that was, was exciting. And kind of like this year's Nick Herbig where there was maybe some other attention on, on Trey Wedding and Jack Nelson, but Nick Herbig's going to be a solid player. Uh, coming up too. Uh, so I, I love that pick. Uh, my fifth pick is going to be a guy that, again, not necessarily been passed up uh, on the depth chart, but uh, there's a lot of attention on others, and that's going to be Julius Davis, uh, the running back uh, out of Menominee Falls. Nakia Watson's obviously coming into the season. It looks to be the guy that is going to get most of the starting reps. And then you've got Jalen Berger, the four-star running back uh, out of New Jersey that everyone's excited about. But We've barely seen, you know, much of Julius Davis last year. Again, battled some injuries early on, uh, but is a solid player, a solid, hard runner, and I think he's going to be watched closely for for some reps at that that, that running back position, and might be an under the radar guy that maybe, you know, right now people think of Garrett Groshek and Nikia Watson, but Julius Davis might be a guy who comes out and finally gets a, a shot and as a healthy player and, and takes off and maybe works into that running back rotation. So I'm excited to see him. Nice. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go with uh, – let's do two more each because just because okay. I, at this point I'm guessing we both got plenty of, plenty of names that we could rattle off. But um, I'll go with Joe Tittman. Um, you know, he's, he was the third highest rated 
um, player in that 2019 class. You know, I, I, I really, I've, you've seen it enough. You see the trend that Badgers usually, um, after that first year, kind of make a leap. And Joe Tipman got a lot of time as a, as a backup center last year in uh, practices. And, you know, you could tell he was getting used to the position. Um, a, and, but he's got the uh, elite athleticism that you, that you seek in an offensive lineman. Four-star recruit out of high school, uh, 6'6", came in at like 280. He's up to 300-plus now. Um, and if, if he can learn the finer nuances of the center position, which is not easy, um, I, I think he has a chance to push some of those interior guys to be the starting center. Um, you know, I know Caden Lyles is a guy that they tried to cross-train at both uh, guard and center, but if they really want to get their first, their top five, he, he's a guy that could easily push his way in there. Um, you know, you look at what they've done, they a lot of times bring in younger guys to start them at center. You got Michael Dieter did that, came in at center, eventually went out to guard, you know, he later went on to tackle and then back to guard. But he, he was the guy who started off at center really early in his career. You see a guy like um, Tower Biotis, who came in, uh, played as a redshirt freshman as well, and, and started right away at, at center. So it's a position that they a lot of times will use a younger guy to, to teach them who's really athletic, uh, smart, cerebral player. Joe Tipman kind of checks all those boxes. He's bigger for a center, but there, there's a reason they, they were practicing him there, and, and they really like his his future. So I, I went with him as, as another guy to keep an eye on just because that that offensive line room, I'm not sold on, on everything and what they're going to be doing uh, in that group just because there's so many different moving pieces. You know, I think Tyler Beach, Lyles, and Seltzer are all guys that could – could definitely push for for time in that starting role, but you never know. Sometimes that one of these guys just makes a huge jump, and they just they're gonna go with the the best player and try to get them in on the game. Yeah, Joe Rudolph wants to get his his best five out there, and I think you're gonna definitely see that again from him this year. And I love that you mentioned that name because I I wrote down Caden in my honorable mention. He didn't quite make the cut for me, but I wrote down Caden Lyles or whoever is going to start at center, because I just want to see who fills in that position. Obviously, Biotis has, has held that position down and been phenomenal for three seasons. going to be a first-round, you know, maybe a second-round pick. So whoever steps into that role is going to be filling shoes that are, are pretty big. So I'm interested to see whoever uh, steps in that role. So I think that's a great pick. Uh, my sixth pick is going to be a name that – that Badger fans may not be super familiar with, but a Jack Eschenbach, who, if you don't know, uh, he's a six foot six tight end, 224. It was his weight last year. Uh, when when I was up at practice, he did not look 224. So he definitely, <laughs> nope. <laughs> definitely a kid that needed to put on weight, but he was impressive in that uh, last year. He just needed to put bulk up. You know, the tight end room was a, was a struggle, uh, and he wasn't a kid that was ready, but. His, his catch radius at six foot six, uh, with his if you, if you can develop some a little bit, I, I think down the road he could be a kid that that fills into that Jake Ferguson departure nicely. So I'm excited to just kind of see where he's at uh, in his progression of of just getting bigger uh, and stronger because that tight end position in the Big Ten, six uh, six string bean at at two twenty four is just not big enough to to be ready to go out there. 
Yeah, I mean, rosters will be dropped probably Monday, um, the day before the first practice, and usually they do that because Paul Christ is also going to be speaking with the media on Monday. So um, I, I think he's a great pick because, I mean, the dude runs like a damn gazelle because he can really fly out there. And like you said, he's got big hands, big big catch radius, and, and can really um, catch the ball nicely and can run a good routes. It's just a matter of him having the necessary size and, and get down the, the finer details of blocking. Um, which we know is is not easy. Um, Most definitely. Let's uh, let's shoot for one more, and and uh, and then we can just rattle off who else was kind of still on our list of guys. But I'm gonna go kind of off the grid and, and say Blake Wilcox, um, a, a kicker slash punter, um, so a specialist. Wisconsin, we've we've seen kind of the the struggles that have been uh, for the Badgers uh, in the kicking game. He's a guy who was on campus last year um, as a walk on. He's got a big leg. He, he's he's one of the one of the better recruits that they've gotten uh, at that position. He can both kick and punt. Um, could be a kickoff guy. I would expect him to really challenge for that punting role um, as well as the the kickoff role and and see what he can become as a weapon. We saw just what uh, the Badgers can do when they have a consistent, reliable guy like Zach Hintz driving it through the end zone. Um, maybe Blake Wilcox can be that guy, and maybe he can also punt the ball a little bit because they, they definitely need to improve in that area, and I think uh, he's a guy to, to watch for as, as a potential playmaker in, in the specialist room. Yeah, that's a great pick because that, that kicking and punting room was a little bit, you know, specialist room was a little bit of a struggle last year. Uh, and that's going to be important in, in this next season to to fill those roles, clean, clean some of those things up. Uh, so I really like that pick. I actually had Kyle Marsh on a, in an honorable mention, you know, list on there because I think that's going to be important to watch just to see how he's developed as well. Uh, my last pick is going to be a, a guy that we're all familiar with, but I'm just excited to see him play and see how he can step up, and that's Eric Burrell. Um, had a great, great 2019 season. Uh, was coming into the season, he wasn't projected to maybe, you know, maybe be worked in. Uh, he ended up being just a all-around great player. This year he's coming in ranked top 10 uh, in the returning Big Ten players, and I think he's got a potential to be uh, an all-conference player. I, I think he's my favorite, you know, Badger on the defense. I love the way he plays, uh, always has, you know, plays with an attitude and, and just plays and, and makes some solid plays. So, um, I'm just excited to see if he can make that jump from a really good player to a, a great, you know, all-conference type player, and I think he's got all the capabilities to do that. Yeah, I, he's, he's a phenomenal player, and I think he's uh, due for a nice jump. He's really kind of broken out these past two seasons, playing in a lot of games. He, he's going to be a leader that they can turn to. Um, who else did you have on your list that, as guys that you were kind of throwing through the Rolodex? Yeah, I'll run down my list here a little bit. I did have Nick Herbig. Excited to see what he brings as the you know the four-star outside linebacker. That position is is one of interest. I think of the outside linebacker position because it's not really set in stone. Um, I also had Clay Cundiff and Hayden rookie rookie written down. Uh, tight ends that coming into last season were uh, highly recruited guys, kind of banged up. Uh, looking forward to see where they're at. Uh, I did have Isaiah Green May written down. Same thing with with Herbig in the outside linebacker position. Uh, I think it's an it's an interesting position because it's not quite figured out yet. You don't have obvious names in a couple of the spots. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, I had Caden Lyles and uh, Colin Marsh uh, rounding out my list of twelve names. So, what about yourself? Who'd you have on your honorable mention list? 
Yeah, Rucci was a guy that I had also on my list uh, just because another year of development. He also uh, had had a arm injury early in the in, in camp, so that kind of kind of stalled kind of what he could do. But I also had Herbig as a guy, just a four star, like you said. Um, Kid McDonald, I think he's really underrated. Comes in as a huge, huge defensive line recruit um, who, who's really athletic and kind of forced his way to, to be on Wisconsin's radar. They kind of just threw everybody at him at camp, and he just beat everyone. So I think he's a guy who's got a lot of untapped potential. Um, Tower Beach, I've been talking a lot about the offensive line. Uh, the trenches really uh, interest me, and I think that's going to be a, a storyline to watch all camp. Uh, I had Mustafa and A.J. Abbott written down just the, the duo because uh, Mustafa, really talented receiver like you talked about, but Abbott's a, a bigger guy at 6'2 and can really um, get those jump balls. And, and similar to Eschenbach, he looks he looks huge out there as uh, and really tall. So if he can really be consistent in hit what he's doing, um, Garrett Rand, you know, just a, an extra uh, six months or four months away from that uh, injury, Achilles injury that he had um, last year, just that extra time, I think the dude's going to be a beast. And, and he kind of came on as the season wore on. So I think he's a guy who, you know, came in as a four-star, has played out of position at times, but then really uh, at times last year looked really good. So I think he's a guy. And, and then last was Jordan Turner, another one of the early enrollees who I think just he's already a, a specimen uh, size-wise, looks chiseled. He looks like he could be a guy that could fight for time in that two deep with uh, Mascalunas and Mumo Jungmeta and um, Leo Chanel. Um, I'll, I'll kind of duke it out for that second spot. So I, I like I like uh, uh, the storylines going into camp, and but these are uh, we picked a lot of really. Uh, talented players that hopefully can make a nice leap and and put themselves in a position to have a good camp. Yeah, we did. This uh, I have to say, this was a fun task going back and forth, but it really got the blood flowing, and I'm I am ready for some football. <laughs> here. Hearing these names and just thinking back, you know, in my head right now, the the Badgers are going undefeated because all these names are <laughs> going to be awesome players, and I just can't wait to see it. I, as much as I love this basketball team, and I do love them, they've been great all season. I cannot wait. To, to get get to see these guys and see how they develop in spring football. Um, but well, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, this little fantasy draft that we had, and hopefully, that kind of got the same thing going for you uh, as the excitement rolls towards football season. Uh, a lot of great stuff on the hardwood court uh, before we get into uh, spring practice, but exciting times for the football team as well coming up. So. Plenty to talk about, and uh, let us know if you guys have listened. Let us know uh, who you're most excited about listening to. We always like to hear from you guys uh, and you know, our listeners. Try to get more feedback and, and just kind of hear your thoughts uh, as we head into spring football. So, as I mentioned, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.